Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. This week we are fasting, everyone. Everyone excited about that? Good, good, good. One, two, three people. Good. We are fasting as a church Monday to Wednesday. Just a quick, uh, some questions some people have been asking. It is a water fast. We are calling as a, a church. We're gonna, that means we're not fasting water. We're drinking water. Don't worry. We're drinking water, but only water for three days. Starting from this, at the end of this evening to all the way till Wednesday night when we break the fast together. It's a three-day fast, which might be a, quite a big thing for some of you. If you've got medical conditions, Please be wise. You can have juice. You can have some soups. Do that thing. Be wise. But here's the thing. I want to put a disclaimer. I think for too long, I always would take the path of least resistance. If, as soon as somebody would say, if you want, you can take go do this type of fast. I'm like, okay, that's me. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, you know, I'm like the guy, I want the easy way out. I'm like, okay. I'm just confessing. I'm saying, actually, I think Mark has been calling us to the church saying, don't miss out on this opportunity. Because that's what it is. It's an opportunity for more. And I will speak about it a bit this morning. But um. If you wanted to know, every night, 6.30 to 7.30, we're gathering at our Tableview campus. The three congregations are coming together, and for an hour, we're going to be praying and worshiping. Tell you, tell you, fasting is tough, but it's made easier when we gather together in the night, and we pray, and we worship together. We encourage each other. It's an incredible time, and I promise you, it's an amazing investment for you, for your family, for our church, for our city. And don't miss out on this opportunity. And finally, as I said, we'll be breaking the fast together on Wednesday night. We'll be sharing a bring and share meal there at the table facility. Pizza, chicken, it's going to be great. It's going to taste so much better after three days off. I'm telling you, every food tastes so much better. It's going to be really, really good. But this morning, I wanted to just help us a little bit about that. Uh, the title of this message this morning is What God Does When People Fast. And I'd encourage you if, you, if you have a notebook, if you have a phone, take some notes, even if it's just to write down some scriptures. Because I don't want you to leave here with some good thoughts of a red-headed guy. I want you to leave with some thoughts from the Bible. And if you go home and you say, actually, I want to read what, this, what the Word says, what the Bible says, what, does it line up with what that guy was saying, that's the win for me. So if you even want to write down a few of the scriptures as we go, I think it'll be helpful. Because I want to let us know from the onset that fasting is not a requirement from God. It's a gift from God. It's a gift for us. It's not a requirement that says, if you fast, then I'll do this. We've gone, we've labored through the Jesus Plus Nothing series to get us to this moment. But you say, but yet there's this opportunity for us to receive something when we do it. And I want to tell you, it's a normal part of being a follower of Christ. So if you've got your Bibles, just a quick, before we get to our main text, it won't be on the screen, this first one, it's found in Matthew chapter 6. I want to read, if you're always wanting to know good theology about any topic, head straight to Jesus. What did he say about it? What did he do about it? It's helpful, good place to start. But in Matthew chapter 6, we find this passage of Scripture it's Jesus in the middle of uh, the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7, where Jesus is teaching, profound sermon. And uh, in the middle, Matthew chapter 6, he, he takes on this topics, these three topics, and he says this, and, uh, and I know of heart, so I don't have to read it. But he's actually, Jesus is doing these amazing things where he is... Um, He's tackling these things and tackling the hypocrisy of the religious system. And he's actually going in there where religious people were, were making external things and trying to impress man with how, look how amazingly religious I am. And Jesus is hammering at the heart of that and trying to unravel that whole system and point to something completely different. And we find out the big thing for you and I is that number one, the biggest thing for, for, for us is that Jesus taught us to fast. This is, it's not like it's, the, uh, today I'm actually, uh, there's so many passages in the Old Testament, but for time's sake, I'm going straight to what Jesus said. Did Jesus say it's important? And he did. 
Jesus actually taught us. It wasn't something that he skipped over. It wasn't that he, something he didn't mention. He taught us to fast. And this is an amazing thing. Two things from that Matthew 6. If you go home and read it, uh, we don't have time for it this morning because we've got some other work to do. He says this. He says, the first thing, the first few verses, he says, when you give, and then Jesus starts to tell them, don't give like the, the Pharisees. Don't give like the religious elite who want people to see them giving. Look how much money I'm giving. He said, no, do it in secret because the Father rewards what's done in secret. He says, when you give. Then he goes on a few verses later. He says, when you pray, and he talks about praying. Then thirdly, from verse 14 of that chapter, he says, when you fast. So as I read these scriptures, very quickly, some, uh, some things to put in our understanding is Jesus said this. He said, when you, not if you. It's an amazing understanding, that word. I've underlined in my Bible, when you. Because the implication of the word wasn't like it was a suggestion. It was, Jesus was knowing the saying that this is requirements of somebody who will follow me. You'll give, you'll pray, you'll fast. When you, not if you. Interesting. Secondly, I love the understanding because this is the thing. I think for most of us, we'll go, giving? Yeah, sounds like a normal thing. You know, most churches spend a lot of time talking about giving. So we, we can say giving's a, a normal thing to do. It's a good thing. Generous is easy. Cool. I can do that. Prayer? Yeah, sounds like a Christian normal thing. I, can, I think I can do that. God, help me, please. But fasting, sometimes I think has been pushed aside and seems like something for the, for the elite. Or is it just me? For the really super spiritual. Those are the guys, you know? They just, they hardcore. But Jesus in this thing takes that excuse away from us, saying it's not, this is not something for when you've graduated or when you've really got really spiritual. Jesus puts it in the same equation, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. When you, not if you, because he expects this is going to be something that's in your discipline of following me. And secondly, he says it's not for the super elite, this is for everyone. A gift for you, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Some good thoughts, eh? So Jesus taught us to do this, but secondly, and this is where I want to land and, and be, uh, spend most of our time this morning, is Jesus didn't just teach us to do it. The amazing thing is this. He didn't tell us, this is a good thing for you. Jesus, secondly, modeled it. He did it himself. And if you want good theology on anything in the Bible is, did Jesus teach on it? And most importantly, did Jesus do it? Because if he did it, it's good enough for me. So we're simple people. Just thought I'd tell you that. We're simple people. We look at the word, we see what Jesus said, what Jesus did, and we say, cool, let's try and do likewise. Everyone okay with that? I think that's good theology. Good starting point, eh? Amen. Say hi to someone next to you very quickly. Say hello, hello. It's good to be together. Church. If you're Linda and with no one next to you, just smile and wave. Hi, Linda. Very nice. Good. Good to be together. So this morning, we're going to stand. We're going to read a scripture, Matthew chapter 4, under this thing of what Jesus did and how he fasted. It's going to be on the screen behind me. So why don't we stand to our feet? This is what we are new here. We stand when we read scripture, not for any other reason except for me. I just love the fact that I want to say we prioritize the word of God above opinion, above our feelings. We say the word of God trumps it all. And it's the only thing that brings life. So let's have a look together. Just 11 verses. It says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry, which usually happens. Usually happens. Eh? For me, I fast for three days. By 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'm very hungry. I'm just saying. I'm just a normal person. Verse 3 says, During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he'll order his angels to protect you, and they'll hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you, he said, if you'll kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word. I thank you that you are, you're teaching us, you're maturing us, you're strengthening us as a people. I thank you, God, as we lean expectantly into your word and into this next week of, of, of stretching ourselves, as we lean into you, God, I thank you, God, we can be expectant that you're about to do great things in our midst. I thank you, Jesus, for this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. You might take a seat. If you're wanting to pray for something else, Kevin Anderson. Everyone pray for Kevin Anderson tonight. You know him? South African tennis player. He's in the U.S. Open final. We, let's pray. I think God hears South Africans' prayers sometimes. So let's just pray. Anyway, that's just a joke. Anyway. Obviously, no one's praying for Liverpool yesterday. Thanks, guys. Tough time. Three points this morning out of this. What God does when people fast. I want to tell us these three points out of this text this morning. Number one is this. Fasting is a fight against sinful desires. Fasting is a fight against sinful desires. There's three questions that Satan comes and poses to Jesus and three responses. The first one we see is that Satan comes to Jesus in the desert. Jesus has been led there by the Spirit of God. He's fasting. In this moment, the, 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 the enemy, Satan, comes and says this to Jesus. You're very hungry. He appeals to Jesus' legitimate appetite. It's a normal thing. He's hungry. And when you're hungry, you want to chow. That's just basic biology, I'm pretty sure. Hungry, you eat. Is that biology even? I don't know. It's definitely not maths. But anyway, he says, you're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus, Son of God, infinite power, could have done it in a moment. Could have. Could have fulfilled that. Said, actually, I can do that. Bam. Bread into st stones into bread. Nice. A little bit of butter, a little bit of jam. Goes down a treat. But Jesus responds and says these words, man shall not live on bread alone, but out of rather out of every word that comes from the mouth of God. Profound response. Now I want to tell you this. This actually, this narrative of, of the enemy engaging with the Son of God or the sons of God doesn't just start here in the desert. It actually started many, many, many millennia before in a garden. Where Adam, the first son of God, there, the, 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 the prototype man, you and I, our forefather, Adam, he was tempted to swap the presence and pleasure of God for a fruit. Similar sort of engagement. Satan comes to Jesus, says, turn these, breads into, turn these stones into bread. He comes to Adam and says, actually, Adam, what, you've been given all this, but actually, why don't you swap those, the things God's given you, for a fruit? Take it. He appeals to the appetite of mankind, and mankind falls for it hook, line, and sinker. Where Jesus succeeded, Adam failed in this regard. And this is something that has been going on for so long, and, and this is the very nature of humankind, our essence. And I'm the, I'm the man who puts my hand up highest. There's a scripture in Genesis chapter 25 where a man named Esau, and if you go read it, it's a great story because the man named Esau is described as red and hairy. I like that guy. Like, that's my man. But there's a moment where Esau 
has a similar exchange, but with his just wrestling of an internal wrestling, where he gives up his inheritance. He says his firstborn right, he gives that up and, and, and to his younger brother. His younger brother, though, he says, he says to his younger brother, give me that. Uh, let, me, let me take it now. But he says, because I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. A man who had a future gives up his future for a momentary desire because his appetite says, I'm hungry. I need f- feeding now. And I, I think maybe if you've, been a, if you've got teenagers or if you've been a teenager, you'll know those words. I'm so hungry, I could die. Mom, there's nothing in the fridge. I'm hungry, I'll die. Let me tell you, your kid's not going to die. Just a thought. He's not. It's, it's, it's hyperbole. But our appetites scream that, not just only in physical things like eating. Our appetites scream, feed me now every single day. Or am I the only one? Thank you, thank you. I want to tell you this this morning, that if our appetites are not tamed, they'll become our God. And we'll bow to them again and again and again. Because I want to remind you and I, I need to remind myself daily this, that we are primarily spiritual people. We are spiritual people with the Spirit of God in us. We're not primarily physical people trying to become spiritual. We're spiritual people trying to work out what it means to live as physical people. So no longer do we have the tagline, eat, drink it, for tomorrow we die, because we know that we don't die. There's a future in God that God has for us. And this is the understanding for you and I, is that we have authority over our appetites. What do I mean by appetites? Maybe I can clear that up for you. You say, this is what usually happens. You've had a tough day or a tough week, and you say, all I need, you know what, I've just, I've just had such a tough week. What I need to do to fulfill this tough week is I need retail therapy. And you go get your credit card, and you just go shop on the Saturday. And you put yourself in debt, but as a response, because you're feeling, I'm just feeling so low, I need a good, that's the thing that'll satisfy me. And we, we jeopardize our future because of our response to our appetite. Maybe you've said something like this, so I've been ignored by my spouse. She's just really ignoring me. It's a tough time at home. So I'm going to flirt with my coworker, but who giggles at my jokes. My wife doesn't giggle anymore. So my appetite says, hey, I'm being ignored. Let me fulfill it somewhere else. Maybe you say this, and just getting real, feeling so horny right now. 99% of men do it, and the other 1% are liars. And we start ju- justifying, say, let me just dabble on some internet quickly. Uh, we take our appetites, and we fulfill it in illegitimate places. And it's the same trick that the enemy does again and again and again. But I love the fact, for you and I, that Jesus actually has given us authority to say no to these things. Jesus has given us authority to put to, put to death and to fight against our sinful desires. So much so, the scripture says this. He's given us authority. We're not weak-willed people who go, oh, my, I'm hungry. Oh, I've got to eat now. I'm horny. I've just got to give into it. I'm desperate. I'm going to do that. I'm lonely. I'm going to give myself away. We're not just thrown about by the wind as people who say we follow Christ. The, this writer in, to, in the scriptures, Paul says to us, put on self-control. He's given us authority. We're not just weak-willed people. Again, he says this in Ephesians 6, says, put on the armor. He puts it in our court. You put on the armor. Can't just go, oh God, I've just fallen for the trap again. God said, well, you had authority. You could have said no. Not on your own strength, but God has put on. But again, Scripture says this, fix your thoughts, fix your eyes, set your heart on heavenly things. That's what fasting does for us. Fasting reminds us that we are in a war, but a war where we have authority. 
We're not there yet. Just in case you know, Jesus has done it all and he saved us, he's redeemed us. But from that moment to when he comes back is the tension of the now and the not yet, that he is still our returning king. We're still here on earth fighting a battle from victory, from authority, but there's still a war to be won. This is the tension, and fasting reminds us of this tension. I want to tell us again that we are not victims of our circumstance. Can you even say that? Say, I am not a victim of my circumstance. Can we honestly, I've been preaching this to my own heart again and again. It's fueling me. Can we say it? I am not a victim of my circumstance. I try to work that around and say, my circumstance is a victim of me, but it doesn't make sense, so it, can't, it doesn't work as a tweet. But I just wanted to remind my heart, because I think too often we, circumstances get big, and we, life gets big, and we crumble, and we default to what our appetite says, feed me! And we say, okay, I, but legitimate, I'm, so, I'm just tired, so I've just got to go to and get depressed, I've just got to go to that thing that fuels me illegitimately. No, we don't have to. He's, he's empowered us. And fasting takes our appetites that we allow to just drift. Fasting, we, I don't know if you've said this before, my thoughts just ran away with me. You, you've got authority over your thought life. It doesn't just have to run away with you. Maybe you said something like this, I just lost my mind. I've said that before. I'll be honest, in traffic the other day, I'll just be honest, confess. I was turning at a four-way stop, and I'm legitimate, okay? This is honest. I'd stopped, I'd seen the guys, and they had stopped. You know, when you let the, I let, I've been generous. You go, you go, you go, it's now my turn. Now, I've been really good. I was actually before those guys, but I let them go. And I start to turn, and a guy starts just pushing through. And he's, seen, he's been waiting, two cars behind, pushes through. And I just keep going. I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm like, we're going to crash. I don't. I'm in my, just suddenly everything went in my head. I'm being honest. And I stood there and stopped in the middle of the road and looked at him. And I just pointed at him like this. With, I was angry. <laughs> and the shocking thing was, and I turned and I forgot that I was turning into the church building. <laughs> I was like, Whew. and as I've sat there, I was like, oh, please, Lord, may no one have seen that. It was not, it was this finger, by the way. I pointed at it. Just the, I'm being honest. I drew the line somewhere. But I, I, it's funny. And, and you justify, and I say, I lost my mind. And I know that there's, there's grace for these things, but actually, we have authority. We don't have to be victims of our circumstances. You don't know what he did to me. Let me tell you, or he ruined my day. He does not have that much power over your day. You're led by the Spirit of God and by his desires, not your appetites. This is what I'm reminding Fasting helps us to take our, our appetites and drag them out of neutral and into submission to Christ. We fast our natural cravings in order for us to engage our spiritual cravings. So what fasting does. Number one, fasting is a fight against our sinful desires. And number two, if you're worried about how long this will be, there's three points, so don't worry. Always three points. I learned it from a Baptist preacher. Number two, fasting is not just a fight against sinful desires. It's a fasting is a faith starter for others. Fasting is a faith starter for others. The scripture says, the, Satan comes and says, Jesus, throw yourself off this, this mountaintop and the angels will catch you. Which again would have been true because Satan was quoting scripture, Psalms. He was quoting a scripture to him. Satan was using the word of God to get Jesus to be small, to get Jesus to, to actually start going, my rights. Yeah, yeah, I'm the son of God. The angels will catch me, of course. How dare, dare you even use scripture against me? Of course I'll do that. But Jesus' response is, don't test the Lord your God. You don't, have to be, you don't have to do that. I want to tell you again, this wasn't the first time. In the garden, 
Satan, once Satan convinced them to take the fruit, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve realized they were naked. And what was the first thing they started to do? Blame one another. He made me do it. She did it. I had no part of it. The woman. The man, he's supposed, to, he's supposed to look after me, but he didn't. He just let me go. And the first thing that starts happening is we start fighting for our own rights, what I deserve. And we get small and individual. The enemy wants us self-obsessed and caught up in technical arguments. And I know I've been there for so long. Where I would sit in meetings like this and I would be, the Spirit of God would be doing a work in my heart, but I'd be arguing theologically with the preacher just so I wouldn't have to respond. I'm confessing. I'll go, Oh, yeah, I don't know if he quoted that properly. I'm going, actually, you know what? Sometimes, yes yes or no, I'm not saying that's bad. It's okay for him to, the preacher not to do his work properly, but sometimes we actually have to say, Spirit of God, would you work despite the preacher? That one's just for free. I want to tell you, fasting under this is a sign of humility and an absolute trust in God. It's a response. It's not, it's not a requirement. God's not saying, will you trust me? He's saying, no, I've, I've given you everything you need. Will you trust me? And we, will we trust you, God? And here's the thing. Isaiah 58, if you want to go read it at home, it's a, it's a classic when it comes to, to fasting because Isaiah 58, the prophet Isaiah, is hitting again at the religious people who've been fasting and look, saying, look how amazingly we are, how spiritual we are during our fasting. And he says, how dare you fast your food, but then the poor and the broken are going unfed. The widow and the orphan are being ignored. But you're saying, look how good and how our fasting is. And he says, true fasting is actually not just saying, oh, I'm not going to eat food. True fasting is actually looking out for other people. But what spiritual stuff does, some spiritual arrogance turns it around and we start fasting. It's all about me and, I've, and we start praying. And that's why Jesus in Matthew 6 says, actually, when you fast, don't tell other people. He says, don't go around moping at the office. I'm having, I've got a headache. I'm fasting, you know, trusting God for things. Just weird. Actually, the scripture goes so practical. It says, wash your face, look cheerful, because it's not about you. It's about what God does through you. This is what we're trying to get at. I want to tell you this week as a church, we are fasting for salvations. We are fasting for those people who God, who God has not yet rescued or people who have not responded yet to the grace of God. We're fasting for those people. We're fasting for healings, breakthroughs for others. We're fasting for what God alone can do. I want to tell you, Fee and I, my wife and I, we are fasting. We sat and we said, what are we fasting for? Because if I'm honest, a couple of fasts have come and gone and I've just gone through the motions. I've done it and gone, oh, I'm so hungry the whole week. And I've talked to mates. I'm so hungry. How are you doing? Oh. And I, the fast comes and goes and I've just lost some kgs. It's a glorified spiritual diet. Nothing more. And I don't need, I don't need to lose my kgs. <laughs> but I want to I, I tell you, don't let this opportunity pass. We've got to engage ourselves around what God is doing. So Fee and I, we are fasting for the salvation of certain family members who don't, know yet, who don't yet know Christ. We've written down their names. And I say, God, I'm fa- fasting for them. Family members that I love dearly, that we've, I've tried to engage with, but it just seems like that. I'm like going, know those people? I go, they'll never, ever come to church, or they'll never know God. It just seems like that. I go, God, but only you can do that. I've tried, but I'm going to ask now because your word says ask. So we're doing that. I want to tell you as well, we're fasting. Fee and I are fasting. There's a girl at the moment who's in critical care who's a young 30-year-old, um, Andrea Hughes, and, and she is a death's door. She's a death's door. It's swelling in her brain. She's been in a medical coma. It's just, and I'm saying, God, we've prayed. We've tried. We've, the medicine is failing. We need a miracle. I'm fasting for what only God can do in these moments. And get caught up in technical arguments. Why has God not answered the prayers yet? Or I could just say, actually, God, I'm asking you. I'm humbling myself. 
Satan wants to get us technical and small. We say, God, no, I'm trusting you. There's this script, there's this quote, Charles Spurgeon. And as I say, if you want a good sermon, quote Charles Spurgeon. He says this, if sinners be damned, let them have to leap over our outstretched arms to get to hell. And I just, I just think so often, can the church, where are the church doing? Are we pointing out, that's wrong, that's wrong, or are we doing everything we can to say, there's a Savior? And sometimes I think the first thing to do is to humble ourselves and say, God, would you save? Would you redeem where we, where we, are, where we are falling? I want to tell you, I'm going to war on behalf of others this week, and I'm saying there's no self-preservation for me. There's no self-preservation. I'll probably dip under the 60 kg mark this week <laughs> and be blown over by the slightest wind. But I tell you, in the spiritual, I'm trusting that God is doing something deep inside of me so I can fight for others. I ask you to join me. Thirdly and finally this morning, fasting is a fight against sinful desires. Fasting is a faith starter for others. And thirdly, fasting is a feast on Jesus. My favorite of the three. Satan says in the desert there to him, if he says, I'll give it all to you, Jesus. I'll give everything you see here if you bow down to me. And I love that. Jesus could have got into a little bit of a fight there and said, Saint, do you know who I am? How dare you? And gone. And Jesus, all Jesus does is this. He says, thou shalt worship, worship the Lord your God alone. He turns his eyes not on, doesn't give Satan any more attention. He turns his eyes to his father. I want to tell you this. In the Garden of Eden, Satan tempted them with a thought the, that God was somehow holding out on them. If you, if you remember the narrative, Adam and Eve are there, and they've been given everything. God says, actually, just don't touch that one tree. You've got everything else. And Satan comes and says, yeah, but that one thing, God's hiding out on, holding out on you. If you eat of that thing, then you'll be like God. And the suckers fell for that appetite, fell for the, their raging desire. They couldn't say no to it. But this is the thing, the understanding. John Piper says it this way. He says, if we don't feel strong desires for God, it is not because we have drunk deeply and are satisfied. He says it is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world. C.S. Lewis says it this way, it's not that our desires are too strong, it's that they're too weak. Sometimes we think I'm not following God because my desires, my appetites are raging for other things. When actually Jesus says, no, no, your desires are too weak for the real thing. said it again and again, there's this, this the new covenant reality of this gospel, is that Jesus Christ says, you don't have to, you're not fasting to be able to gain access to me, you're fasting because you have access to me. You're fasting already because you have access to me. you at his right hand, the scriptures tell us there's pleasures forevermore. I've said it again and again, that fasting is not a rain dance. I was going to start singing, the, but this might be offensive to Native American Indians. It is, it's, it's not a rain dance to get his attention, but rather it's us giving him our attention. We have his attention through Jesus. The prayer is not, Lord, we need more of you. He says, you've got all of me. Our prayer is, God, you have more of us. Fasting is us yielding to him. He's not holding out. He says, come and eat. Fasting for us is a response to God who invites us to his table to eat. Fasting is symbolically walking away from your table where you get earthly satisfaction and running to his table where you're satisfied forever. Fasting is a reminder, I'm not satisfied there. My satisfaction's in him alone. 
Fasting for us is emptying ourselves of illegitimate appetites and feasting on our heavenly ones. You and I have been given a spiritual appetite that can only be satisfied at one place. If we keep on going to the world and to our own desires, our own appetites to think we're going to get satisfaction there, we're going to be like the Rolling Stones who say, I, ate, I can't get no satisfaction. We'll say then there'll be the reality. You'll try and try and you'll come up dry again and again. But Jesus, this is a reminder, gift for us, saying when you fast, you're reminded, I am not of this world. There's a deeper satisfaction for me. It's a wrestling of your, your, your sinful desires saying, Jesus, they will serve you. And finding the joy upon joy and peace upon peace and pleasure upon pleasure in Him alone. So I want to tell you this morning, when we fast, there's more time to fill ourselves with His Word and in prayer. It's just a legitimate thing. I'm not, I'm not eating. I'm not preparing food. I'm not thinking about those things, that are organizing meals. So I've got more time to do something. And I want to tell you, if you, it's like that, that, that old cliche that when you say, don't think of a pink elephant, don't think of a pink elephant, don't think of a pink elephant, what are you thinking right now? And that's the problem. We often go, don't think of how hungry you are, don't think of how hungry you are, flip KFC burger would be great right now. Even McDonald's, I haven't done that for years, but I'll go, give it a go, eh? Mm, it's looking good. And you start smelling things that you haven't, sm- like, wow, avo on toast. Never smelled so good except on a day two of fast. You're like, whoa. Some of you ever and toast fans. Anyway, but I'm just saying, suddenly foods you'll never like start to come into your mind. So I'm telling you, the Bible says, don't just, it's not about emptying. I mustn't think about anything. No, we feast on Him. Fill your minds. Think on these things, the scripture tells us. So I want to ask you, when you feel hungry, which I said is usually by 9 a.m. tomorrow for me. I'm that sort of guy. 9 a.m. like, just three more days. I want to tell you, when you feel hungry, let your hunger be an alarm clock reminder. I'm turning my attention to Jesus. I'm hungry. I've got to turn my attention to Jesus. So I want to suggest a couple things. These are not profound, but they are profound. They're not profound because they might seem ordinary, but they are profound. Here's a shocker. Read the Word. This week, read the Bible. Oh, shocker. Never thought a preacher would say that one. Read the Bible. Feed on it. Even if you don't understand, just read it. Take the, that half an hour lunch break when you sit and eat your psalmies at work. Close your door and read the word. Here's the second one. Pray. Here's something that Fiona and I are starting to do together. Pray in tongues. Now, may, some of you might go, whoa, what's that? Now, this is a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit gives us. But I want to tell you, I've had to, it's an, uh, this, this gift of praying in tongues, I've had to exercise it because I'm naturally not great at it. Because I'm ADD and I'm, after five seconds, I'm like, what's going on here? Don't really know. So what I've started to do, and this is just something I've learned, is I go from traffic light when I'm driving, from traffic light to the next traffic light, I pray in tongues. When I get to that traffic light, I rest for the next traffic light. I need that. See, I'm just that, I'm just that sort of guy. Try it. If you've got a, a, something I learned when I was young, when, when you're driving long distance, go and you've got lots of bridges in Durban, we call it bridge prayer. From this bridge to that pray, bridge, I'm going to pray in tongues. And then I'm going to stop till the next one. It's just we start filling our hearts and a simple suggestion, put a, take the, put a CD in your car, put some mu- Christian music, start worshiping Jesus as you travel. This week, fix your thoughts on Him. Watch what Jesus will do. I want to land this morning with this. In the desert, Jesus, the second Adam, Scripture calls Jesus the second Adam. In the desert, Jesus, the second Adam, won back everything that the first Adam lost in the garden. In the garden, Satan said, Take God or the fruit. It's like one of those terrible game shows. The money or the box. God or the fruit. 
And he went, ah, the fruit. Like, give him another chance. Give him another chance. In the garden, the first Adam lost. But in the desert, turn the stones stones into bread. Turn the stones into bread. The second Adam won. In the garden, my rights will put your wife first. The first Adam lost. In the desert, my rights or others, the second Adam won. In the garden, God is holding out on you, Satan says. Don't, he's holding out on you, man. The first Adam lost. In the desert, bow to me, Jesus, and I'll give you everything. The second Adam won. I want to tell you, in the garden, when the first Adam lost, they realized they were naked and they felt shame. In the desert, when the second Adam won back what was lost, Luke 4 tells us this, it ends, that same passage ends, it says this, Jesus came out of the desert clothed in the Holy Spirit's power. In the garden, they're left naked and ashamed. But in the desert, they're left clothed in the Spirit's power. I want to tell you this morning, fasting is a fight against our sinful desires. It's a faith starter for others. It's a feast on Jesus. And I want to tell you this, Jesus taught it to us when you fast, not if you. He modeled it for us. He went into the desert and won back everything the enemy stole from us in the garden. But thirdly, I want to tell you, he's empowered us to do it. He's, you're not starting from, let me see if, I'll, see if I can make it through to one day and see how good, I, how good I am. This is not a measure of your spirituality. It's a measure of how faithful he is to you. Will you trust his faithfulness? Will you trust his goodness this week? If you've never fasted, welcome to following Jesus. If you fasted a hundred times, welcome to following Jesus. This is not about spiritual elitism. This is not about a notch on your belt. This is saying we want to lay hold of everything that he's laid hold of us for. Let us pray. Father, this morning I pray for my family here. I pray for my fickle heart. I pray for our hearts and our appetites that are so easily satisfied by lesser things, that are so easily swayed by weak desires. God, I pray right now in this place you are strengthening hearts. Not in our own ability to say no or our own ability to say yes, but in your ability to say no when the enemy came. In your ability to say yes to the Father. In your ability to win the battle for us. I thank you, God, that we respond today and this week, not out of a place of we have to, but we get to, because Jesus has empowered us. I thank you that this is something that you've taught us to do. This is something that you did for us and modeled for us. But God, thank you, this is something you empowered us to do. I pray, Father God, would you stir our affections for your son, Jesus. Stir our affections for your son, Jesus. May we be a people who, are, who start to lose sight of the things of the world. The things of the world will grow strangely dim. The light of your glory and grace. So God, in this moment, we don't wait for tomorrow. I pray right now we turn our eyes upon Jesus. If you're comfortable, can we just all lift our hands to him as a response? The reason I ask us to do is just it's a posture of surrender. In the, in the wartime, you would lift your hands. Say, I've got nothing. I've got nothing hidden here. I pray right now, God, as we lift our hands as a people, would your grace flood in. Your empowering grace. Where we feel disqualified, where we feel weak, where we feel tired and weary, I pray your grace flood in. When we say, I, I feel, I'm not clever enough. God, would your grace come in? 
I thank you, Jesus, for those songs that we sang today. That you leave the 99 to pursue the one. You're a God who loves us, pursues us, and says, I'm not holding out on you. I'm not holding out on you. I have more than enough for you. Will you trust me? And God, as we lift our hands, symbolically showing that we've got nothing hidden here. Nothing hidden. I pray, Father God, that you would start to fill what we open up to you. I thank you, Father God, for this amazing church, for this incredible people of faith who would choose to worship you, who would choose to give, sacrifice, who choose to pray, choose to seek, and, and in this moment, choose to fast, which is a symbol of our trust for you. So I thank you for this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen.